Hello, hello, and welcome back to Coffee Stains Easy You Podcast. This is your host, Geneva Rodriguez, and we are going to continue with our Tackling the Danielson Rubric series. We started this a couple of weeks ago, and I promised that every, I promised you that every component of the rubric was going to be addressed in details. I was going to give you examples of what is expected in the classroom and how you can get an effective or highly effective rating. If you are a teacher in New York City or um, any other place that uses Danielson rubric, then you know this is the rubric that we use to rate our teachers' performance in the classroom. This is a Coffee Stained EDU podcast, is an educational podcast. I am an assistant principal. I was a special education teacher before this. I am a career changer. When I pick topics or when topics are suggested to me, I try to cater the, t- the episodes to all listeners. And I appreciate all my listeners. You are dope. Thank you for your support. Thank you for constantly checking in and listening and providing feedback and suggestions that improve the podcast. Again, it's all about my listeners. You can check out our podcast website at coffeestained.org, coffeestained.org. We also have an Instagram, coffeestains underscore edu, coffeestains underscore edu. So we are going to tackle, last episode we tackled planning and preparation, which is the first two domains, IA and IE. This episode we are going to tackle classroom environment you also have to be very mindful that the Danielson rubric it, it, it does look like a beast I get it um, it can be very scary I do recall that when I was in the classroom and um, I realized after my first two years that it's just like any other rubric. We, we take exams in life. We have to write papers in life. And we have rubrics that we are rated on, right? Oh, rubrics are used to rate us. I'm sorry, to grade us. This is the same thing. Um, I don't want you to look at this rubric as something scary. If you become familiar with it, if you become comfortable with it, then you are not going to have a problem with tackling it, with using the examples and the criteria of the rubric in your instructional practices. You also have to accept as an educator that you are a lifelong learner. Once you accept that, then you're going to be able to embrace a learner mindset and you're going to be able to use that to instruct to to improve your practices to become effective educators right and that is the goal we want to become effective educators for our students okay i posted on our website under resources you will find resources that i exp- um, that i mention or discuss in each episode if you go to the resource page it's broken down by episode and you will find 
the Danielson rubric. I actually posted it there for you. I also posted the slideshow for each of the domains um, in detail. Um, and it's broken down. So whatever I'm going to be sharing with you guys right, right now is available to you on the website. I also tried last episode to record this like a, a video. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you have a podcast. When are you live? When do you do this? And right now, I am just recording um, my inf- my video. No, I'm sorry, my videos. My audios are not edited. I like to be on edit. I like to be raw. I like to be real. I just like to post what um, I record. I want you to accept me for me. I want you to know that I'm not perfect. I am a human just like you, and I feel like you would appreciate that and maybe a little bit more receptive to my. Um, my tips, my advice, my suggestion, right? It's coming from a human, a real person, a person that knows that she's flawed, a person that knows that she makes mistakes, a person that accepts that she's a lifelong learner. I think you, uh, as, a, as a listener, you would appreciate that because I know for me, I will appreciate that. I would appreciate that. So if you go on there, you're going to find the Danison rubric. It's a 2014-2015 rubric adapted to the New York City Department of Education framework for teaching components. You will also find the slideshow that I will be going over each each week, each episode, there's going to be four episodes I got, um, because the first first domain is planning and preparation. Next one is classroom environment. Next is instruction. And the last one is professional responsibility. Those are the four domains of the Danielson rubric. And if you look at the rubric, it, it's broken down even more. There's a cheat sheet at the end, which is pretty dope. Page 20. The domain uh, domain one is planning and preparation. Plain, uh, domain two is classroom environment. That's broken down into two areas, uh, which we're going to address today. Domain three is instruction, and domain four is professional responsibilities. So if you look at the rubric, become familiar with it, become comfortable with it. I feel like as an educator, we should want to become familiar and comfortable with the rubric that we're going to be rated on, right? And again, when I first became a teacher, it was pretty scary for me because I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a monster. It's so many pages. This thing right here is 20 pages long, It's bro- it, it, but it's broken down into the domains. It's broken down into descriptions of what the summary of the four domains. Um, then it's even broken down even more into the elements of each component, then indicators, how it looks in the classroom then it goes breaks down into even more possible examples of what it will look like in the classroom and then it has the developing the ineffective developing effective and highly effective ratings your goal is to be in the effective area right in the beginning you might be a developing teacher even as a seasoned teacher you might become a developing teacher you need to accept that you cannot beat yourself up we have off days we have bad years we go through our own personal experiences sometimes affect our practices we are human it happens but we have to realize that we can't we that we, we make mistakes and, and we can always become better and don't think that you're a seasoned teacher and that there's nothing to to, to learn or nothing to grow um, nothing to um, yeah nothing to learn and that there's no space to grow that is a mindset that is not a mentality you want to have in the education system because there's always changes happening we always want to keep up with the the new things going on with kids we want to keep um we want to become we want to continue to stay our brains to stay fresh and ready and learning about the kids that we teach know about their communities know about their cultures their upbringing so that we can support them individually because we need to know that too that no two students learn the same right so we're going to go into um components so what i did 1a 1e again you can find those slides on the website oh i, I touched i tried i was i started with the video and then i went into something else yep that's the way my brain works <laughs> but i attempted to record um a video 
with the audio well duh because when you record the video you should have audio <laughs> don't mind me it's, it's been a long tuesday um i attempted to do a video with the slides but you know i am not really um loving it to be honest i will still post the slides i will still um post the resources on the on the website i will probably you know pick and choose when i do some videos and post it on youtube i know some people um, appreciate videos um, and we have different learners just like our students um, adults are different learners as well and and they might learn better from the videos but again the slides are up there um, from the first episode with tackling um, the first component 1a and 1e and this is going to be an audio what I'll do is I'll go back and forth okay I would do this this week will be an audio and then next week um, the next episode I'm sorry because I don't record every week, will be a video. So I will try to cater to all my listeners. Again, the you can see the slides on my website. Um, that's fine, coffeestains.org. So let's jump right in because there's a lot of material to cover. And my last episode was hella long, 40-something minutes, which I apologize because I know I take pride in saying that my episodes are 25 minutes or less because I know we are busy, I know we have lives, and I want the information to be meaningful and be impactful to you and you that you can take something out of each podcast and apply it to your life and I feel that sometimes when it's too long um, we lose focus we don't listen to the whole thing and yada 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 but I feel that with this series tackling the Danielson rubric it's hard to try to shave it down like that because there's so much information that needs to be covered and I want teachers to feel comfortable um, after my ep my episodes I want you to really learn if, and understand the rubric and really be able to apply what you learned or listened, heard on this podcast to your practices because we want to be better. We want to have the confidence in the classroom. We want to know how to meet our students' needs because our student, then our students are engaged. The students are learning. Everything's awesome. They're getting prepared for the next grade. You know the drill, right? So the episodes might end up being a little longer, but this is a different, you know, this is a different series outside of the regular episodes on Coffee Stains EDU podcast. So bear with me. I want you to feel confident when an administrator comes into the classroom and observes you. I want you to I want you to feel confident if you have someone coming in to do it as a visitation. And I know the only way you can do that is you become comfortable with the rubric. Okay? So let's jump right into it. What is domain two? The classroom environment. Let's read a little bit about what that is so the classroom environment creating a classroom environment of respect and rapport is 2a we'll tackle that first and then we'll go into 2d managing student behavior when you look at the rubric and you become familiar with it and you read you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna realize a pattern and you're gonna also realize that everything intertwines right you can't have one thing without the other. And you might possibly be better in one area, but struggle in the next area. And you might notice that if you struggle in one area, it might affect another area, right? You might get an effective in one area and then realize that you didn't get an effective in another area. You got a developing, or maybe you got a highly effective, right? So sometimes that can happen, but also this sometimes it's, 
it's difficult for that to happen. The chances are that if you're getting uh, developing or ineffective in one area, the chances are that you're not really doing that great in another area. And let's, let me try to make sense of that to you, right? So creating an environment of respect and report and managing student behavior, they kind of intertwined. So classroom rules, routines, expectations are established and it is visible in the ways, the, the way the student and teachers interact and conduct themselves. Behaviors are overall appropriate. Redirection and inappropriate behaviors are addressed. And not in a way that it takes away from instructional practices. So we'll go a little bit more deeper on how that looks, right? That's gonna maybe some nonverbal cues. You might be, you might point to something. You might put your finger up. Um, you might make a facial expression. You might go quietly to the student, use a soft, low tone. This is not taken away from the instruction time. It's not being a distraction. The way you address these things and redirect is appropriate. Um, and it's happening to where the instruction time is still happening and is not a distraction, right? So how would this not look, right? So if you're in the middle of a mini lesson and you're reading and a student starts to talk, you stop reading to read, to redirect that student and to address that student's behavior. That is not effective. That is such a distraction that takes away from instruction time that puts focus on that one student and now the whole class is affected, right? So think of ways how you can do that where the whole class is not affected but still addressing the student, right? Expectations are visible to students and a point system or incentive system is in place. Again, this looks different for different grades and different classes. You might need a point system. Your kids might just be on point. You might have such a good, strong classroom management technique that does not require a classroom system. I mean, sorry, a point system or in in incentives. Um, then other classes might need it. Whatever. You know your students. You know what works best. And you also need to realize that if something is not working, there's time for a change, okay? But expectations are visible to students. They are listed. Where do we see them? Where are the expectations of the classroom visible in the classroom? Are they posted on the, on the wall? Did you do a classroom contract where students went over these expectations at the beginning of the year and they signed it so they're held accountable? Um, is it hidden behind the smart board where the kids can't see it? Is it written so small where the kids cannot see it and, not, that, and they can't, you cannot reflect? To, you cannot um, use them as a reflection or you cannot um, refer to them. I'm sorry, you cannot refer to them during a lesson. That is not a good look, right? We need, they need to be visible to the students. They need, there needs to be a reminder for the students. Teacher has respectful rapport with students. Student to student relationships are appropriate and respectful. And this is so visible when we go to see classes. So visible when we walk into classrooms. So visible when we, when we do observations. So visible when you're walking in the hallways, when you are transitioning, when you're in different locations of, in the school setting. This is visible. And this is important to implement early in the school year. A lot of teachers don't know, don't um, focus on the importance of classroom management and environments and structures and systems in the beginning of the school year, and it's visible when we walk through those classrooms. If it's November and your class is, doesn't have anything in place, oh, we're gonna see it, we're gonna know it, and it's gonna be addressed. Correct? We need to. You need to know that. Building these relationships start in the beginning of the year. That first week 
your main goal should be getting to know your students and implementing those classroom structures and systems right at the gate. You need to know that because there's no learning. No learning is going to take place. There's going to be a lot of interruptions, distractions. There's going to be a lot of time in between transitions and it's just going to be chaotic. And trust me, we see it. We know. And that is, that affects your observations. That's going to affect your rating. We also need to know that not only the students are respecting you, but they're respecting each other. How do you do that? You model that. You show them. You give them examples. You correct behaviors. And you do that early in the year. Students need to respect one another. Kids need to feel safe in, in the classroom. And they're going to get that from the teacher. So remember that it's not only about the students respecting you, but they need to respect each other. And that needs to be that needs to start early in the beginning of the year and constantly be implemented, reinforced, and praise needs to be given. And um, it's just be constantly be monitored. It needs to be constantly monitored. Teacher encourages and promotes social interaction among students. This is very important. We want kids to interact. We don't want it to be teacher to student. We want it to be student to student. And this ties into the other component that we're going to go talk about later on, um, later on in the series, where we talk about um, discussion techniques, when we talk about um, student engagement, when we have those turn-in talks, right? Kids are, if kids are not interacting, kids, if teachers are not promoting and encouraging social interactions among students, they, they're not going to be able to do those turn and talks. They're not going to be able to dis and, and engage in intellectual, meaningful um, um, conversations because they, that, that's not the norm in the classroom. That is not something that they were taught in the beginning of the year. So these are things that if you implement in the beginning of the year and you're constantly reinforced throughout the year and throughout all lessons, it's going to come natural. And we know social, the social emotional well-being of our kids are, is, a, is a priority. So we need to make a space, a safe space for our students and encourage and promote that social interaction. And again, consistency is key. I don't think I said that this, this episode, but I probably said it last because it's just something I always say. <laughs> consistency is key, especially with students, especially in the classroom. You want kids to, to pick up behaviors and, and you want them to learn behaviors and you want to um, adapt and modify behaviors that they have and, and, and replace it with other, other behaviors, appropriate behaviors. You need to be consistent with that. And that is important with classroom environment. Okay? So let's talk about how we do that. And I, I just mentioned a couple of things, but we're going to dive in a little deeper. Building relationships. Those first few weeks are important for building relationships. Classroom management is going to come so much easier. Managing those students' behaviors is going to come so natural when you are building those relationships with students, getting to know your students on an individual level, and allowing opportunities for students to get to know one another and building those relationships among students. You cannot put students in groups and not help them create relationships, give them the vocabulary and the language and the appropriate way to engage in healthy, really, um, healthy conversations with their peers, okay? You wanna build those relationships with your students. How do you do that? How do you build relationships? Getting to know me activities. Do a student 
um, preference survey, play games with your kids, getting to know them, implement activities where kids are free to express themselves, express their interests, express their strengths, express their weaknesses. You want to get to know your students. You also want to use this opportunity to observe your students and learn their learning. Um, how do you say it? I just had a brain fart. <laughs> their um learning style <laughs> their learning style you want to learn their learning style you want to see how they work in groups how they work independently this is the perfect opportunity to really get to know your students during the first few weeks it is crucial it's essential it is required it is necessary for you to have a smooth school year and we see the difference between classes that really took time to do this in the beginning of the year and teachers that did not, they just jumped right into the curriculum and they just jumped into work. We can jump into work those first few weeks of school. I get it that we have things that we have to get done and, and the time goes so fast. And yeah, it's important. You have to get that stuff done as well, but you need to carve out time to build those relationships. Students are not going to learn if they don't like you. If they don't feel tr that they can trust you, if they don't feel you care about them, if you didn't take the time to get to know them, it's 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 not going to work. Okay, you want to be consistent with expectations. Like I said, like I said, consistency is key. You need to be consistent across the board with everything you do, with everything you implement. You wanna be clear about those expectations as well. Don't expect students just know. You are teaching them, they are your students, they are, they are new to you. They, are, they did not have you last year, you are a new teacher to them, they have to learn you, you have to learn them, and they have to learn a, the new way of doing things in your classroom. And you have to give them those that guidance, you have to support them, you have to teach them what's expected and have patience and compassion and understanding and be consistent with it. You can't expect for students to pick this up after two days. It's not realistic. It's not, it's not putting realistic expectations on your kids and they're gonna fail. They're gonna feel overwhelmed. They're gonna feel unsupported and it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be chaotic. And again, we see this. We know which classes that take the time to build these relationships with the students. We see it as soon as we walk into those classes within the first five minutes. And then we see, we see the classes that have done it. It's such a beautiful thing. We see the flow of the class. We see the flow of the lesson. We see the, the warm interactions and connections between the students and the teacher. It's just a beautiful thing. And this is the goal we want for our, all our teachers in all our classrooms. So be consistent with those expectations. And, and accept that because just because you, you might have put something in place, you might have thought of an awesome plan and system be open and ready and, recept and, and and understand that it might not work for your kids. It might have worked last year. It might have worked the year before that. It might not work this year. And that is okay. You need to accept that it might not work and then you might need to, you might need to make some tweaks. But you need to be at a point where you can accept that, where you can reflect on what's happening in your classroom and make the necessary changes. Do not ignore it. Do not keep on pushing forward because you feel like this system works. You work so hard to put it together and it needs to work because it might not work. You need to accept that you need to reevaluate what you've put in place and make sure that it works. And if it doesn't, make those changes. Implement the use of nonverbal cues 
you want to make sure that you're using cues that are not distractive sorry not distract yeah that, that do not distract your students you know everyone every student is a different learner and there are some kids that lose their train of thought with a little distraction right the door opens whoop, their head is up they stop reading they forget what they were doing or they, they get distracted and they have to read they have to start over with a math problem um, for you to be in the middle of a lesson and have to stop that lesson to redirect the child, to tell a child to stop talking, to tell a child to sit down, to tell a child to sit up, to tell a child to um, to put something away, it's, it's not an effective way to manage behaviors and it could possibly affect the other learners in the classroom. So you have to imp implement non-verbal cues and they can match the classroom expectations right so for example if you have a one voice at a time expectation in the classroom why when you're teaching these expectations when you're going over the, over the expectations in the beginning in the beginning of the year you can let students know one voice at a time what does that mean it means that if I am talking, no one else should be talking. If you are talking, no one else is talking. Everyone's respecting and they're listening. And you can implement a nonverbal cue with that. You can put a one finger up in the air. In the beginning, when you're implementing this new expectation, you have to keep in mind that they might not have, they might not be familiar with this. So you're gonna have to use, you're gonna have to use consistency for the first couple of weeks of, to remind these students of the expectation, right? And then you're slowly gonna pull away some of the wording. Um, the goal is to get to the point where when you just put one finger up, the kids already know what that means. It means one voice at a time. You might want to point to your mouth and put one finger up, whatever works for you, right? Because some teachers use the one finger up for something else. So you want to make sure that you're implementing nonverbal cues for these expectations. That way, when you're in the middle of a lesson, you don't need to say one voice at a time, or I only want one voice, or you don't want to say all eyes on me constantly, right? Maybe you just point to your fingers. I mean, you point to your point to your eyes, and that already signals or that cues that it's gonna be all eyes on me, right? Or snap and pointing to yourself, whatever you want to put in place. But it needs to get to the point where you have these nonverbal cues. That way, it doesn't distract students and it doesn't take away from the instructional time. That is very, very important when it comes to managing your classroom. You want to praise appropriate behavior, right? We want to shift away from focusing on the negative and praising appropriate behavior. I love when I go to a class and I hear, oh, I love how John is, is already working. Or I love how John is sitting up straight and reading his book. I love how Sarah is helping John, um, John or whatever the case may be, right? That is praising appropriate behavior. I love how Sarah is sitting quietly reading. Let's focus on the positive and stay away from the negative, right? John, stop talking. John, stop, stop calling out. John, put your hand down. Um, you know, like that's focusing on the negative behaviors and that might have a bad effect um, on students. 
and, and on, on your class as a whole. So let's shift towards praising appropriate behavior. When we praise appropriate behavior, we are also um, giving the opportunity for other students to see that modeled behavior and giving them the opportunity to correct the behavior they're doing at the moment, right? You know, I was in one class and we, we wanted students to just to read quietly and we modeled that we loved how I'm going to keep using John's name. Sorry, John, if your ears ringing. <laughs> um, John is just a, a name that I'm using. Um, I have no student particularly. Yeah, I have a student in mind, but I'm not using the actual name. You know, I love how John is reading. He's sitting straight up. He's, he's, he has his legs crossed. He's sitting, you know, he's reading. Um, and he's not, you know, distracted or whatever the case may be, right? As soon as we said that, we looked at the students that were not doing the expected behavior, that were not reading. And as soon as they heard us give that praise to John, they started reading. That's they sat up just like John. They folded their legs just like John. They sat there with the book and they read and they stopped talking. Okay, so for some students, it works. And I think, uh, you know, just implementing that appraising appropriate behavior sh and shifting away from that negative will just af affect that whole classroom environment in a positive way. Okay, so let's talk about, I'm 29 minutes in. Hi, so sorry. So let's see, let's look at the, let's look at the rubric. Again, you can find it on the website, on the resources. And let's look at, um, we're going to go over a little bit more of what I just said. Um, but it's, this is going to be wording from the rubric, right? So they have some indicators here. Um, the LOL, let's talk about elements of, of component 2A, right? 2A is classroom environment. It, well, okay, let's, let's break it down a little more. I'm sorry. So domain 2 is the classroom environment. Within domain 2, there's two components, 2A and 2D. So 2A is creating an environment of respect and rapport. And the elements, the elements of component 2A are that teacher interactions with students, both the words and actions. We focus on the tone, the, two, the, the, the tone and the interactions. Um, we also focus on the interest in and the care that teachers show for their students. We focus on the interactions between students, including both words and actions, okay? Like I said, as important as a teacher's treatment of student is, how students are treated by their classmates are, it's, is even more important, right? Indicators include the respectful talk, active listening, and turn-taking. We also want to be mindful of the classroom, sorry, they we don't want to acknowledge the students' backgrounds and lives outside of the classroom. Body language is massive. This is very important. Is it indicate if does it indicate warmth and caring shown by students and teachers? Is politeness and encouragement evident in the lesson and fairness? So these are some indicators. I'm going to focus on some ineffectives, ineffective and in developing things that we might see in the classroom. Possible is a student slumps in his chair following a comment by the teacher. 
The student rolls its eyes at a classmate's idea and the teacher doesn't respond to that inappropriate behavior. A few students do not engage with others in the classroom, even when they're put together in small groups. Some students refuse to work with other students. So it's obvious, it's evident that there's, you know, when you're creating a, an environment of strike rapport, there is no disrespect in that, in that environment, right? There's no rudeness in that environment. And if there is, the teacher is addressing it. The teacher is not disrespectful and rude. The tone is kind and welcoming and warm, right? If we do not see those things, then it's ineffective and developing. Now, if we see those things, students are participating. They take, they take risks. They are um, encouraged to participate. The teacher makes connections with the individual students. The students re show respect for, them, for their peers and for teachers. That's going to be effective and highly effective for in create, in creating an environment of respect and rapport. Now, now, let's go into managing student behavior. So expectations are clear. Teacher is monitoring those students' behaviors and addressing them in, in an appropriate, respectful way. Um, the teacher is responding. Yes, the teacher is responding to those behaviors. It seems like the expectations are clear in the classroom. The students know what's expected of them. The teacher can turn her back. She can walk away. She could be working with one group. And the, all the other classes already, um, the, oh, sorry, all the other students already know what's expected of them during that time. So some indicators include clear standards of conduct. They're posted and they're referred to during the lesson possibly. We're reinforcing positive behaviors, kind of like I said earlier. And there's really no signs of inappropriate or mis or um, behaviors. So those are some indicators. What does it look like to be ineffective and developing in this in these areas? There's no, um, the classroom is chaotic. The teacher is not monitoring behavior. She's ignoring behaviors. The students are interrupting and um, the students are talking among themselves. They possibly are throwing things and the teacher's not paying attention. The teacher's not noticing the inappropriate behaviors when she turns her back. The teacher attempts to maintain order in the classroom and has no success, right? The teacher might be referred to the, the rules several times, but the kids continue to talk um, amongst themselves. The students continue to um, ignore the teacher and um, do what they want to do and be disrespectful. So that's obviously ineffective and developing. An effective classroom the standards of conduct appear to have been established and implemented successfully. That means when the teacher's talking, no one else is talking. When the students are talking, all the students are listening, they're engaging in respectful behavior, I mean, conversations and discussions amongst themselves, the transitions are nice and smooth, and they raise their hand, right? Whatever rules, um, expectations the teacher has implemented is clear and is evident within that classroom. And the teacher responds, to inappropriate behaviors, misbehaviors, and it's effective. The teacher says it once or twice and the students stop. The teacher has uses nonverbal signals and the, and the student's behavior is corrected, right? So that shows effective and highly effective. If there's no signs of misbehavior, um, or it's very minor and is, and is swiftly handled, that's highly effective. 
if the students are correcting one another, checking their friends and telling them to like chill out and, and act right or whatever, that is highly effective. So that is 2D and 2A. These two, this domain is very important because no learning is going to take place if the classroom management and classroom environment is not on point. And again, like I said in the, like I said in the beginning of this, it is so important to address these two components in the beginning of components in the beginning of the year. Those first few weeks, you need to be focusing on creating an environment of respect and rapport and managing student behaviors. So my challenge for you with this episode will, to, will be to assess, to ref, sorry, to reflect on your classroom environment right now. I know we're in April, it's about to be May, but you have to reflect. What is working? What is not working? How can you tweak it? What can you change? Thinking about next year, what would you carry over to next year or what you would not carry over, right? So these, this is going to be the challenge for this episode. I want you to focus on that. It's always important to reflect and to be open to making changes to the things you have already implemented in your classroom. And it might be working. You might, need not, you might not need to make any changes after you reflect and realize, oh, my classroom management is dope. I get effective. I get highly effective. I got no concerns. That's dope. That's awesome. But remember that next year you're going to have different kids and no two kids are the same no two classes are the same and while that system might be dope and work for your kids now and kudos to you if it does you need to accept and be ready that it might not work for your next group so you might need to make some tweaks and you know what and if it works for you right now maybe share that Share that with a colleague, share that with a friend, share that with a teacher friend, right? Share like, hey, I've been doing this, this seems to work, because they might know somebody or they might be able to use it. So that is my challenge for you for this episode. This is episode two of the Tackling the Danielson Rubric series on their Coffee Stained podcast. Sorry, Coffee Stained Easy You podcast. Again, this is your host, Geneva Rodriguez. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of tackling the Danielson rubric. This was on components, sorry, domain to the classroom environment. You can find the resources, uh, I'm sorry, you can find the Danielson rubric under the resources at our website, which is www.coffeestains.org. Again, that's www.coffeestains.org. You can find us on social media, which is, um, uh, sorry, you can find us on IG, coffeestains underscore edu, coffeestains underscore edu. I suggest suggest you follow our podcast because that's where you will keep up to, um, we'll keep you up to date with new episodes or new information that's going to be um, coming out. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Amazon Music. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. Also, because I'm so awesome and I try to make it easy and convenient for my listeners, if you go back, if you go back on our website, coffeestains.org, and click at the top on the right-hand side, episodes, the episode button, you are going to find all our episodes uploaded there as well. So I, 
I make it easily easy for you to find our our episodes and um, I'm gonna wrap it up right there because I feel like I'm rambling at this point so again thank you for listening to coffee stain edu podcast and it's a wrap